So you may be seated. So my youngest daughter, Austin, tells me I need to smile more often. She realizes I get a little nervous doing this, but she's right. I need to smile more often. So I'm going to try to smile more this morning. Uh, this is a fun message, but it's a heavy one. Well, it's going to be what you make it, so I'll leave it up to you. We're beginning a new series this morning. Four-week Advent series. And rather than talking about the people and the places and the, the gifts that were brought to Jesus, which kind of is the traditional stuff that we talk about in church the four weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to do something different. We're going to talk about our identity in Christ. And that's an important thing and because... To fully understand and appreciate the birth of the baby Jesus, God come to earth in human form, we need to understand who He really is, but we need to understand who we are, who we're created to be. And so we're going to start this series. Now, I understand that people around us have all kinds of ideas, all kinds of opinions about who I am and who you are. Facebook, uh, coffee shop, cafes, places where people gather, workplaces, they don't make that any easier. Because more often than not, people don't like to lift up the good stuff about each other, right? But around here, we're not going to worry about what other people think about us. You don't have to bring that baggage, that garbage into here. Because as Christians that worship together at the Open Door Christian Church, our priority is what does God? God who is our Creator and Redeemer, what does He say about us? What matters in the end really is who God says that you are. So today we're going to take a look and, and we're going to start this series by, by beginning with how it is that Jesus makes a new life possible. So out of curiosity, Pastor Rich got you to put your hands out last Sunday. I'm going to ask you to go one step further. If you want to change a direction, if you're ready for something different, if you'd like a new life or even part of a new life, would you raise your hand? Right? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? God understands that. See, I say that Jesus makes a new life possible for us because you and I, we've got something to say about it as well. You might hate the life that you're living. You might not like the way that it's gone, the direction that it's taken, the decisions you've made, the mess that you've created. You might not like any of that, but until and unless you're willing to work with Jesus, you aren't really going to be changing very much about your life at all. The fact of the matter is, you're going to just set yourself up for a a whole lot of New Year's resolutions and disappointments. If you want to look at the Gospel of John for a moment, there's this passage about Jesus. Raised a man named Lazarus. Turns out that he was a friend of his. The Bible tells us Lazarus had been dead for four days, dead and buried. His life was over. Then the power and the presence of Jesus shows up. And Lazarus is given a new life, literally. Lazarus is raised from the grave because Lazarus knew Jesus, but even more importantly, Jesus knew Lazarus. It was in love and compassion for Lazarus and for Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, that Jesus gave him a new life, a second chance at living. And God does the very same thing to you and I. For all of us who know Jesus as our Savior and who Jesus knows as His own, the Bible says that we have the opportunity for a new life, literally to be a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 says, if, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. New life. I'm talking real, lasting, life-changing new life begins only when you realize and accept that you cannot do it on your own. 
You can't do it through 12 steps or good intentions or strong will or books or seminars. You cannot do it on your own. You might be the author of the life that you live, but you are not. You cannot be the author of a new life in Jesus. It's Jesus alone who is the author and creator and perfecter of our new life in Him. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to come to terms with you can change pieces and parts and maybe little details of your life, but you cannot have a new life outside of Jesus. In uh, Ephesians 2, we're going to go through a couple of different books of the Bible today, but Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What is that saying? Pretty simply, we're all people who break the law. We're lawbreakers, you and I. Some people break the, the speed limit. I'm sure nobody here does that. <laughs> right? It is 55, by the way. Some people break the speed limit. Some people bend the rules with their taxes. Every single one of us, though, breaks God's laws. Every single one of us is guilty of being a lawbreaker. So when a person's put on trial for breaking the law, everything's at stake. If it gets to the point that they're in a courtroom facing a judge, maybe a judge and a jury, everything about them is at stake. When they're put on trial, everything they have is on the line. If the facts prove that they're guilty, the life that they have had to that point is over because of their choices. They've effectively killed their freedom, at least for a while. There is a time at which everything changes and they don't have anything to say about it. However, if they're found innocent, then there's a very different thing that begins to happen. They walk out of that courtroom be, being declared innocent of the charges of against them. But they have some new and some very old decisions to make. They've got some choices that they're going to have to deal with. They can go back to whatever life they were living that got them into the predicament that they were in in the first place. Or they can work with the judge and choose to live, live a new life because they've been given a new chance. They can choose a different path. Because they're literally given a chance at a new life. But what are they going to choose? In the little bit of time that I've spent working in jails and in prisons, I started realizing something that just blew my mind. And I talked to people who do that full-time professionally and say, yeah, it's sad, but it's true. What happens is a troubling number of the people who find themselves standing before a judge leave the courtroom and are given their freedom only to return to custody in the court system because they make the conscious choice to reoffend. They choose to end up back in jail. They choose the life they know, even though it costs them their freedom, over the life they could have had by obeying the law. Sometimes a new life is just simply too much for people. Some people can't let go of the lawbreaker in them. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with Him and seated uh, with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When God gives you a new life, 
It's so that He can show you and the world around you the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, we're the ones that get to live the new life, but we don't live it for us. We then go on and we live that life for other people so that our lives can show the people around us who God is and what is possible for them in Him. That's some radical thinking in our world. You don't see people sell books about having a better life to make a life better for other people. It's all about you. Make a better life for you. Be happier. Be healthier. Be wealthier. See, all the world is really trying to do is to fashion a better version of the old you, a version that you like more, that people maybe like more. A version of you that is more healthy or wealthy or wise, but God isn't talking about shaping a better or a different you. God is talking about creating a new you. And what we've got to realize is that Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus died for the old you so that the sin-filled you could die with Him. Books don't talk about that. <coughs> Uh-oh, here we go. <clears throat> so let me ask you. Okay, this is the part where I ask ahead of time. If someone could get me water, I'd appreciate it. So let me ask you, do you want a new life? Not just a change to your current life or reboot or get over some sin you might have committed. Do you want a real, a real new life? A life that remembers but doesn't live the way that you've lived in the past, that doesn't forget where you've come from, but that doesn't focus on living that way, the way that you may be living now. Is it time that you stop living for yourself, for your pleasure and prosperity, and your wow, you're a pastor and you still bring me water. I love you, man. Thank you. You're awesome. Jason, thank you. He doesn't just woohoo, he does water. They say you're supposed to be really tense during this moment where you stop for a drink of water. Excuse me, I'm not going to be tense. I'm going to be real grateful. Uh. See, I got these braces now. Truth be told, I got these braces now. I'm 53 years old. Braces are cool when you're 12. They're not even that cool, but they're helpful. I got them at 53, so I don't smile because I don't want you to see the braces. So, no, Thank you. I love all of you. So maybe it's time you chose a new life. It's time you started living not just for yourself. Maybe it's time you started actually doing what the Bible says and that you live for Jesus first, for others second, and, and then we start living for us. Time to start living for Jesus, not just accepting His silent presence somewhere off to the side in our lives. Because really that's what the Christian church in America today teaches us. That Jesus is here to make you happy. Jesus wants you to be happy. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says Jesus wants you to be holy. So we have this Jesus that's just silently alongside, but that's not the point. That's not why Jesus died, so that He could ride silently alongside of us, ready to answer a 911 emergency prayer. In John 5, it says uh, this passage. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up and take your bed and walk. 
And then once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. That's an interesting passage. There's, there's three or four weeks worth of messages that we could draw on that. Don't you find it interesting that Jesus goes up to this guy who has not been able to walk for 38 years, who somehow or another has talked other people into bringing him to this pool? And the idea was that when the water in this pool stirred, they believed whoever got to the water first, they were the ones that were able to be healed. This guy was just not able to do it. So every day he sat and he waited. It's odd that Jesus' question, isn't it? Jesus' question is, do you want to be healed? It struck me until I realized that you know, it might not be that the guy really did, and Jesus knew it. Maybe the guy was content with his life, no matter how challenging it really was. Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And then he never waited for an answer. The guy never said, yes, I do. What the guy did was started to complain. Woe is me. I get here every day, and I'm not fast enough. And other people jump in, and they're healed and walk away, and I just sit here, and I've got to come back again tomorrow. Jesus' question very simply was, do you want to be healed? It's a yes or no answer, buddy. And the guy did what he knew, and that was to complain about his life. So what about you? Do you want to be healed? Do you want a new life? I asked you to raise your hands earlier. Do you, re- do you really want a new life? Or have you gotten comfortable in the life that you have? It might seem like an odd question, but what Jesus knew was that this man's entire identity... Everything that he understood about who he was and what he was worth was wrapped up in his affliction. Jesus asked if he really wanted to be healed so that the guy actually had to think about it. But I think Jesus also asked for us, do you really want to be healed? We look at it and say, well, of course. Do you really want to keep living the same old miserable parts of your life over and over and over? Well, of course I don't. But you know what? Do you really want to change? Do you want to be healed? Jesus asked the man and never waited for an answer. All he did was told him to pick up his bed and walk, and the man was healed. There's a lot of people who complain about a lot of different things who do, really don't want those things to be changed. 20 years of ministry, I've seen a lot of that. People who complain and complain and complain, and just like this man, do you want to be healed? I'm going to give you an opportunity for something new and different. Insert smile. And what we do is we complain about the life that we have. We can't even imagine the life that we could have. So do you really want to be healed? A lot of people don't. We get so comfortable. We get so comfortable with our discomfort. We learn to dance with our demons rather than to flee from them. We'd rather complain than conquer because that's what Jesus talks about. So what about you? Think about it. Do you really want a new life? Do you really want to change from the life that you know, the life that you've created, even though it might be miserable or parts of it might be miserable, and you absolutely can't imagine going on one more day? It's the only life that you know. So Jesus says, do you really want to be healed? Or do you just want the right to complain about your old life? Because for some of us, that's what we want. I want a right to complain. Some of us get so comfortable in the pincushion of our misery that we can't imagine living any other way. So Jesus asked that man at the pool, do you want to be healed? So I asked you a few minutes ago to raise your hand. So I'm going to ask you, do you really want to change? Do you really want to change? Because you know what Jesus told that man was, if you really want to be healed, then pick up your mat and walk, do something. If you really want to be healed, pick up your bed and walk. So I asked you earlier, do you really want a different life? Do you really want to be healed? Do you really want to change once you raise your hand? So let me ask you something. Do you really want a new life in Jesus? Do you really? Then pick up your mat and stand. Literally. 
You can't not have a new life by not taking a new step and doing something different. So literally stand. I'm being serious. If you want a new life, stand. Insert smile. Because here's the thing. We get so comfortable in our misery. We go, it's always going to be that way. I've tried and tried and tried and I can't change it. You're right. You can't. You never will. So you might as well get comfortable in your misery and complaining because it's never going to get any different unless you give it to Jesus. Amen? Stay standing. Second Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one can boast. For where is workmanship? Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you are God's workmanship. Let's pray. Gracious God, you've got a whole bunch of people that are feeling really uncomfortable at the moment, but they're standing before you. They've got to get over the fact they're standing next to each other, but God, they're standing before you because they don't want to walk out of here living the same life they were living when they walked in. They want a new life in you, and God, you promise us in Jesus that you make that possible. You promise us that that new life is what we get to live. And so God, for every one of these people that are standing right now, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would fill them up to overflowing, that Jesus' death and resurrection that paved the way and paid the price for them to have a new life, that they would know at the deepest part of their being that they are not the same, that they are your workmanship and they have a new life, not because of what they've done, but because of what Jesus did that we cannot do. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. All right, I saw the worship team get up and stand. I'm not done preaching. You've got to go sit down again. Uh, I'm going to have a little more water. Smile. That was a good thing, Asta. You can be seated unless you want to stand. I tell people, well, what, do you, what can you expect from your church? I don't know. We have fun. We like to be there. We love coming to church. Am I right? Yeah. The worship team should not feel awkward. Brady, don't feel awkward. They all heard this last sermon, last service. Apparently, they weren't listening very close. Hmm, it'll be again on Wednesday, folks. You can tune in. (laughs) Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you are God's workmanship. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which the Bible says God had ready for you a very long time ago. They were prepared for you beforehand. What does that mean? Long before you ever showed up, God had a life for you to live. God had a plan and God had a will for you. So really the question is, will you walk in that will? Will you choose to be who God created you to be? Will you walk in God's will? Guess what? If you just stood up, you have no excuse now. You have no excuse not to. You're not the same person. Literally, I didn't just say fancy words. You know what? That's God's promise to you. You literally walk out of here a different person, a new creation. Not because of anything you or I did, but because of what Jesus did for you. Colossians 3 says this, If then you've been raised with Christ, and you just have, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Because where is it that we get so messed up? Trying to fit into this place that we were never created to fit into. Set your minds on the things that are above. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self. And so what do you do now? Now you've got to walk out of here this morning, 
into a world where everybody knows the old you, and you've got to decide if you're willing to be the new you. All the parts and the pieces and the people of your life haven't changed, but what is it that you're going to use as you walk out of here for the compass of your life? You've maybe never thought of that before, but I want you to. When you walk out of here this morning, nothing at all will change. No matter what's happened inside of you, nothing at all will change if you don't change your compass. If you don't change what you take for direction and what you talk about being right and true, nothing will ever be any different. The Bible says in Jeremiah 20.11 that God not only has a plan for your lives, but it's a good plan. It's better than the best plan we could ever possibly imagine. The question is not whether God wants what's best for you. God created you for what's best for you. It's whether you want the same life that God created you for. Are you going to keep living your life on your terms, or are you going to say, you know what, thank you, Jesus, I'm going to live my life for you? Living life without the Bible and without faith, to me, has got to be a lot like flying an airplane without using the instruments. It's got to be a lot like just trying hard and hoping for the best. When you fly by instinct and good intentions, not the instruments, your chances go down dramatically for making it safely to the end. Because the instruments are there for you to keep you safe, to keep you on course, to help you arrive at your destination safely. The, the compass tells you your direction. The altimeter tells you how high you're flying. All the other instruments are there to help you safely end up where it is that you want to be. All of the instruments tell the truth. All of the instruments tell the truth. Now the pilot, the pilot might not like, might not agree, might not see the same things, but you know what? The instruments tell the truth. The compass tells the truth. And where the pilot might get in trouble is when they think they know more than the instruments in front of us. And as Christians, where I can guarantee you, you will get in trouble, is when you think you know more than what God and the Bible say is best for you. It's like living your life without a compass. God knows and tells us the way to heaven, but if we don't follow God's directions, we're never going to get there on our own. And this life will always be a disappointment to us. It will always be less than what you were created for. This life will always feel to you like a disappointment. Jesus died and paid the price and the, and the penalty for your sins, not so that you could continue to live in your sinfulness, but so that you could be washed clean and live a truly new life in Jesus. When you leave here today, you've got the choice of going back to the person the world's going to expect is coming back to them, the same old you. Same old problems, same old disappointments, same old frustrations. Or you've got the choice to begin today to choose to live the new life in Christ that many of you just said you wanted. You can choose to begin to be the new creation that Jesus died so that you could become. To do that, though, you've got to let go of the old you. And what you've got to do is embrace the new creation in Christ that you can't become without Him. You've got to set your identity in who God says that you are. You've got to choose what compass you're going to follow. The compass of your own desires and will and best effort or the compass that is God's Word and God's plan for your life. What's going to be your compass? You can choose to go back to the old life. You're on your own. Don't come and complain to me when it doesn't work out. Talk to Pastor Rich. Where are you, Pastor Rich? <laughs> that was job security right there, man. <laughs> or you can choose to walk out of here and take the new life that a whole bunch of you just claimed. It's going to be different, but you have to be different. 
Which is the one that you're going to do? Who are you going to trust? What are you going to trust? Set your identity on who God says that you are. Believe what He says in the Bible as true and put your trust in Him. Choose God. Choose His Word. And use your compass as the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus as the plan that God has for you. The best that we can do, quite frankly, is the best that we can do. But God has your very best life planned and laid out for you, the very best life you could ever hope to live. That's if we follow Him and if we set our compass on God's Word and on God Himself and what He has said about us and on the death and the resurrection of Jesus where He did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In a little bit, you're going to walk out that door and you're going to have to decide which life you're going to live. You're going to have to choose which person you're going to be. Let's pray. Worship Him. Gracious God, thank You that You created in love every one of us. Thank You that You know every one of us. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly. God, thank You that You created us with a plan for our lives that is the very best thing we could possibly imagine. God, thank You that You sent Your Son, Jesus, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He paid the price for our sin, for our disobedience, for everything that we do that breaks Your heart, so that even though we are undeserving and unworthy, we truly can be a new creation, we truly can have a new life, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. And God, truly we ask that for everyone who stood this morning, God, thank You for their being brave. Thank You for them believing that You truly do have something better for them. Thank You, God, for Your Holy Spirit, for it is Him who will fill us, that will help us to choose and to live the life that You created us for. In Jesus' name, Amen. So you want to walk out and make the rest of your life the same mess you've made of the first part of your life? Or do you want to walk out and say, you know what, I'm going to claim something different, not because of me, but because of who I am belonging to? That's your choice. That's the decision you've got to make. Most people don't ever do anything because they're afraid that whatever God might have for them next is going to be something different than what they understand and know in the past. You can only hope so. I read a study once, and I'm getting to the age where this matters. Do you know that 60% of men who went to, did a study, 60% of the guys that went to a doctor and the doctor said, you know what, you've got some serious heart issues. If you don't change your diet and start exercising, if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to be dead within a year. Do you know that 60% of the men that were told that did nothing? They didn't change. They kept doing what they were doing to get into the problem that they had, and they didn't change. You don't have to change. But Jesus died so that you could. There's two kinds of change. There's the kind of change that happens in our heart. The kind of change that Jesus does and turns us into someone who we weren't before. That kind of change is born out in what's called the fruit of the Spirit and the world around us sees it. Then there's change that's basically like a haircut for those of you who are so fortunate. That's the kind of change the world talks about, the little stuff, the stuff that you can buy a book or take a seminar to learn about. That's the kind of change that happens on the surface on the outside, but nothing really lasting actually changes or is different on the inside. Jesus died so that you could have a change of heart, a new creation, a new life. You walk out the door today and you've got the opportunity to choose who you're going to be. Go back to the old life or trust Jesus as your compass into the new life. But it's your choice. I will pray that you choose wisely.